Welcome to Leadership Conversations, a podcast by the Sustainability Board Report. Join us as we engage in conversations with business and civil society leaders, educators and advisors discussing the role of sustainable leadership in today's world. The Sustainability Board Report is an independent, not-for-profit project. We aim to showcase different dimensions of sustainable business leadership and corporate governance. We publish reports to help individual leaders, organizations and investors to understand the changing landscape of environmental, social and governance factors. Welcome to a new episode of Leadership Conversations. My name is Frederick Otto. I'm the founder of the Sustainability Board Report, and I'm here with Helena Gudjonsdottir, as always, our co-host. Today, we feature Helen Pitcher OBE, who is an experienced chair, board member, board facilitator, and coach, and quite frankly, one of the most respected board advisors in the UK. Helen is talking to us a wide range of topics and it will be a great listen for everybody who is interested in what makes a future ready board. Helena, another great and very thorough conversation that we had. What were your main takeaways? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think to start with, it's really nice to hear how Helen's career has shaped and formed into her current work today. We start our conversation, of course, with the topic of ESG and the board agenda. And once again, it's confirmed that it's an all-encompassing topic, important to all board members. And in particular, Helen mentions that it's a crucial element for boards to consider because of the workforce that they're trying to attract today. People that are coming into the workforce are looking for a clear and well-articulated purpose with the organization that they're joining. And that's something to keep in mind. But we, of course, not just the ESG is important. We also discuss cybersecurity, geopolitical risk, handling inflation, the war in Ukraine, supply chain problems, and the list goes on. Helen has great insights into these elements. I also think she gives a lot of practical points that our listeners can take today for aspiring non-executive directors or anyone that's interested in the arena. But it's important to be more knowledgeable in the space of ESG. I can make you attractive to boards or committees, and not only for your own career, but also for the sort of decisions or projects that you might be involved in. Of course, as this is part of our Future Ready Board series, we discuss the skill sets of our Future Ready Board. And it's interesting we're discussing this blurred, blurred line and more responsibilities being put on non-executive board members which means that often they're sort of moving into that more executive space. And the last thing I think was that it's important for people coming into boards today that, you know, you have a broad skill set, not just a niche, because you're going to be involved in the entire oversight. And therefore, it's not only the ex-CEOs and CFOs as it has been in the past, it's boards with broader skill set, people from different arenas. And I think that's both hopeful and a really interesting fact. What about you, Freddie? I think I've covered a lot, but what are your takeaways from here? No, as always, I agree with you. She just generally gives a lot of good hands-on advice for everybody who is involved with the board, whether these are, you know, board members, of course, themselves or advisors. And it really shows her vast experience in that space. As you know, my favorite question is always the last two that we ask all of our guests, what their favorite stories of a particular leader that they admire. And very different today, Helen is sharing a a story of Napoleon, which apparently is very popular within the INSEAD community as well. 
So we learn all about that. Yeah, definitely. I think the Napoleon story was very interesting. And I think it's actually a good advice for us to consider. But without further ado, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. On today's episode of Leadership Conversation, we welcome Helen Pitcher, OBE. Helen is an experienced chairman, board member, board facilitator, and coach. As chair at Advanced Boardroom Excellence, Helen works across the range of FTSE professional service, private equity, and family firms, where she has led some of the biggest board evaluations. Helen is also a coach to many leading CEOs, chairman, and non-executive directors. She was awarded an OBE for services to business in 2015. Helen is also the chairman of the Criminal Cases Review Commission and chairman of the Public Chairs Forum, a non-executive director at UBUK and CNC Group PLC, where Helen is the chairman of the Remuneration Committee and a member of the Nomination and ESG Committees. She is Senior Independent Director at One Health Group Limited and Chairman of the Remuneration and Nominations Committees. Helen also is President of INSEAD Directors Network Board, IDN, and Chairman of INSEAD Directors Club Limited. Helen is the President of Kids Out, a national children's charity, and sits on the advisory board for Leeds University Law Faculty. Helen, it's a great pleasure to welcome you on our podcast today. Thanks so much for taking the time. Delighted to be here. Thank you for asking me. As we have just learned, Helen, you have an illustrious board career, and we always like to learn a little bit more about the leadership journey of our guests. So could you tell us a little bit more about the current work that you do and how you got here? Well, you've just described the current work I do as a board evaluator, a board facilitator, a chairman, a non-executive director, and uh, I also coach a lot of C-suite individuals. So that really is a culmination of a career which started in law, moved into commerce, worked through a variety of organisations such as Weetabix, Oxford University Press, Northern Foods, Grand Metropolitan, and then came into consultancy, only intending to stay for three years, but found the variety of organisations I was working with was so interesting that I stayed in consultancy and decided to develop a portfolio career alongside. That portfolio started initially with being involved with a national children's charity, Kids Out, which supports children who are disadvantaged for any reasons, and then moved into the more broader portfolio. And basically, I had a very targeted approach to doing that by looking at what were my areas of expertise and therefore which boards might I be attractive to. I'd always wanted to stay tangentially involved with the legal profession, but didn't want to practice law. And so working on the Queen's Council, on the Bar Standard, on the Bar Committee on Complaints, working also ultimately at the CCRC, that really fit very well with my legal background. And then Biscuits, I'd worked in food, so that made sense. Drinks, I'd worked in drinks, so that made sense. And education, I've always been passionate about, hence my involvement with INSEAD. And I try and do some form of major development every year or so. Sometimes there's a, a bigger gap, depending on what else is going on. But I like to keep current with thinking 
and knowledge and the INSEAD programmes really do stretch you in terms of your own ambitions and thought processes and provide you with an exceptional network. They also now run the flagship programme, which is the International Directors Programme, which means that you have a qualification which you literally develop with ongoing continuing professional development and so you always stay current and ESG which is a topic we're talking about today is obviously an area where there is a lot of focus now because it's of interest to investors and it is of interest to society as a whole and quite rightly is very high on any broad agenda no matter what the size of the organisation. And that links back to the generation coming through that we wish to attract into the workforce, really only want to work for organisations that have a very clear and well-articulated purpose. So it's not just about making money, it's about more broadly, how does this organisation contribute to wider society? And therefore, would I feel comfortable as an individual joining and, if you like, sharing my effort with that organization to achieve its purpose. Excellent. So you mentioned you like to stay current and you also already mentioned ESG, which is obviously our topic today. But are there any other important challenges that corporate boards are facing now? And how would you rank ESG in order of what the most important challenges are? Well, first and foremost, ESG is a massive topic. It's all-encompassing. It covers so many things. When I first started my career, if you were talking about environmental issues, you were talking about plastics and maybe energy. You weren't talking about the much, much broader topics now that come into play for ESG. So, so it, it is a huge agenda. In terms of other issues that keep the board awake at night, There's the cybersecurity risks. There's the geopolitical risks. Now we have inflation back, which was around in my earlier career, but a lot of people haven't experienced in the next generation that's coming through. So handling inflation is key. The war in the Ukraine is creating a myriad of supply chain problems. That therefore means you can't always get everything you need in order to produce your end product or service. So it's really quite an issue. So every time you look at board issues, you see something else coming up that you perhaps haven't experienced before and need to get up the learning curve very, very quickly on. And investors now are focusing strongly on ESG as our employees, as I mentioned earlier. So it is a topic that has to be front and center for boards and for organizations, but it, it is an evolving area. So people are learning how to set the right metrics that go with ESG targets. And it's not a precise science. So you know, that again is a judgment call that has to be made in conjunction with the executive of the organization. So that's quite a strong area. It also means that the ESG committee chair, because most boards now have an ESG committee as well, has to work hand in glove with the remuneration committee chair 
in order to make sure that the right metrics are being rewarded and it's not driving the wrong behavior for the organization. And then because of the risks that can be involved in areas that fall into the G remit, there needs to be a connection between audit and risk as well. So never before has it been more necessary for committees to work in a very integrated fashion. That makes sense. And on the integrated fashion, let me ask you a follow-up question. You mentioned in terms of issues, cybersecurity, geopolitical inflation, and of course, ESG. So how are these issues intertwined? And what is the response that boards have to apply now? And how agile do they have to be to get on top of these things? Okay, well, when you say intertwined, a lot of them come under the auspices of, of ESG. But in and of themselves, they are really important incidents and events that a board has to pay attention to. So if you are subject to a cyber attack, you have to be aware as a board member, particularly if there's a request for ransom, and we've heard about that in the press today. So it's something that's going on on a very regular basis. Then you as a board have to satisfy yourself that if you pay the ransom, and normally you negotiate it down, but if you pay the ransom, that that money is not going to an illegal activity, such as guns, such as drugs. Because if it is, you as an individual board director are liable. And that creates an issue for the insurance sector, because directors and officers' liability insurance is an area that, again, constantly needs to evolve to keep up with the issues that are occurring. And so you need a very good general counsel stroke company secretary in an organization giving advice on that. Now, in everything I'm saying, I'm talking about big organizations, but these things happen to small organizations as well. And they don't necessarily have the right resources at their fingertips to support them through that. So things like professional bodies and agencies, things like the big accountancy practices and law firms who provide regular and free updating education is really, really important to make sure you as a board director are really aware of the impact of the decisions you're taking. And I was talking to somebody recently who talked about the fact that they had pulled all of their operations out of Russia because of Russia attacking Ukraine. What they hadn't considered then was the impact that was having on their performance and the performance of the organizations they were investing in, which meant that the shareholder return and the investment return from their investments was declining sharply as a result. But nonetheless, that board felt it was the right moral and ethical thing to do. And therefore you then have a big communications exercise to make sure your investees, your stakeholders, et cetera, all understand exactly what you've done and why. Otherwise the board could be regarded as not acting in the best interests of one of its stakeholders, 
which is the shareholder if it's a quoted company. But equally, if it's a family company, that will affect the family's return. If it's a small startup, that has a huge effect as well. So considering and weighing up all of those things is very, very important indeed. Excellent. And, and we hear more and more about the good governance in terms of ESG. It's probably fair to say that every board is different and, and has a different approach to it. But do you have some advice on how good environmental and social governance should generally look like? Do you feel that should be structured through committees, through a, a chair who is leading on this topic? Anything you can share with us? Because it's such a big topic, you need a committee. You absolutely need a committee who can do the deep dive in the same way as audit risk do and remuneration do and nominations do, because these are all very central topics for boards. So you definitely need a committee. That committee has to have the right terms of reference. There, there's a huge amount on the Internet, as there is with everything, in terms of what are now good practice terms of reference and therefore governance processes. And then you need to make sure that the committee is populated with independent directors who have both an interest and passion for the topic, as well as a thirst for learning, because they are on a constant journey to understand what the issues are and how best to actually address those issues and report against those issues. And that means a close relationship with the executive but an ability also to challenge the executive as to whether they can go further and do more and to consider what the unintended consequences of that push might be and how they can be mitigated against. Let me expand or ask you a little bit more about the leadership part uh, within the board. Let's stay with ESG for a moment. Do you think it is sufficient if the ESG committee is leading on this topic or the committee chair, or does the chairman of the board have a special role in this as well? The whole board have a role in it, but the, the heavy lifting, if you like, is delegated to the committee, but the committee chairman has the responsibility to report back to the board as a whole as to the activities, the risks, the issues, and the ongoing work program, if you like. So the chairman would do that. The chairman of the committee would do that. It's not something that should reside totally with the chairman of the board, because the chairman of the board has a very wide-ranging remit anyway. So, you know, his or her role is to oversee how the board is paying attention to this topic, how the committee is working and how the executive are responding and the impact that's having on the organisation and to manage some of the narrative with the investors. So, yes, the chairman would be present for that, but I have an AGM coming up this week. I'm not the ESG chair on this particular board, but I know that my ESG chair and I sit on his committee I know he is going to be asked a number of questions because we've had the various reports in from the agencies and some of them are saying you may not be doing enough right now on ESG or it just may not be being communicated to us as clearly as we would like. So we have a number of questions for the AGM, which typically the questions have gone to 
the audit and risk chair in the past and to the remuneration chair, as well as the chairman as a whole. But ESG is now something that is featuring very strongly in annual general meetings. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier as well the education piece, right? Directors need to keep abreast of what's going on, what the particular issues are in context to their organizations. Now, you chair the INSEAD International Directors Network. I can imagine there's a lot of conversations going about ESG at the moment as well. Is that fair to say, or, or what are the hot topics in the alumni community? Well, INSEAD broadly, the Alumni Association has a number of clubs, global clubs, as they're called, one of which is the Community Impact Challenge, which looks at things like net zero and how that can be achieved. That's a particular interest group. And then our, our group that I'm president of at, at the moment, that looks at all the issues that might affect directors and are topical for them. ESG has been the subject of probably four or five webinars recently. And we have a face-to-face forum in September where it will also be a large part of the discussions because everybody is wanting to understand the issues and get ahead of the curve. So it, it is an area that people want to spend a lot of time sharing best practices, hearing from experts as to their view as to what they might do. And certainly one of the things I advise aspiring non-executive directors to do is to make sure they develop a spike in ESG because that will make them attractive to a board. And so it's both important for managing your career but also for making sure you're making the right decisions on the committees and the boards that you serve. So we do spend a lot of time focusing on this. Excellent. And the interview series that we are running at the moment is called Future Ready Boards. Do you have any thoughts on what a future ready board makes or what the regulatory developments are that are coming up or what the skills are that a board needs in the future? If you, if you had a, a crystal ball five to 10 years time, what does the optimal board look like? I think there's an even broader question than that. The responsibilities that are being put on to non-executive board members by the regulators are in danger of pushing the non-executives more and more into the executive space. If you do that, you compromise your independence and you compromise your ability to both challenge and support in, in equal measure. So there is a challenge around just how much more individual non-execs can take on their shoulders and also the cost of governance that goes with that. Because the more committees you have, the more people you need on the board and the broader the knowledge and experience they need to have has to be. So 10 years ago, most boards wanted former CEOs and former CFOs as non-executive directors. It's a moot point as to whether that was the right thing, because if you've just moved from being a CEO to become a non-executive can be quite difficult. Likewise for a CFO, because you can still be in executive mode if you're not careful. And then you're in danger of trying to substitute your views, your concerns, your judgment for that of the executives. And the executives are ultimately 
responsible for running the organization, but the board is responsible for appropriate governance and oversight of that. And those are two very distinct roles. So if you get pushed too much into the executive space, that's a problem. But because the agenda has broadened so much, you know, you need to know about culture, you need to know about employee engagement, you need to know about succession, you need to know about cyber, you need to know about ESG matters. So it's broadening all the time, not to mention the traditional ones of audit and risk and remuneration and so on that have been around for a long time. It means you need people with a broader skill base, but you still need those people to not just have a niche that they play in, because once you're on a board, you are responsible for oversight of the total enterprise, which means you can't just you know, work on your papers and in your board pack and look up only when your topic is mentioned. You need to be able to form an opinion and questions appropriately, because you don't need to ask questions on every topic and you shouldn't, because other colleagues will. But you need to be able to contribute to the much broader picture, not just a specialist niche area. That's excellent advice, particularly the piece, governance is governance and management is management. The lines I have heard over the last two years have become ever more blurred through the pandemic as well. Thanks so much for that. And we get to the end of our podcast, Helen. We have two more questions for you, which we are asking all our guests. And the first one is, what is your favorite story of a particular leader or organization that had a big impact on yourself or society at large? Gosh, that's a very broad one. Because if we look back over the years at anyone who's been featured in books like Good to Great and so on, their businesses have then subsequently spiraled. So, you know, to just say there's one leader and one type that's inspired you is a difficult one because there are leaders for a certain point in time. And a key skill of a leader is knowing when to leave. And you should leave when you're at the top of your game, not when you're going over the other side of the curve. One of the stories that I like that INSEAD used is about Napoleon, believe it or not. Napoleon, when he was a younger general, relied very heavily on his more experienced generals to give him advice and in that way was successful but when he decided to go into countries such as Russia he was given a lot of advice from those senior generals and some of them met a, a sad demise others drifted away so in the end he was isolated and wasn't getting good advice and that's what led to Napoleon's downfall so he didn't stop when he was on the up. He started to believe in his own omnipotence and therefore failed to take sage advice and guidance in what was a very risky scenario. So I always think that story has a lot of really good and important lessons in it for leaders. I would agree. I've not heard that before either. So thanks for sharing. And then lastly, Helen, can you give our listeners one piece of advice that they can make part of their leadership toolkit and start applying today to set them up for more positive societal impact? Never lose interest or curiosity in what is going on in the world around you. An external radar is hugely important to informing your thinking increasing your horizons and enabling you to 
ask informed questions at a board. And that is really, really important. Fantastic conversation. Uh, very informative. I certainly learned a lot. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time today, Helen. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership Conversations. To follow our work and learn more about our reports, please check out our website, boardreport.org, and sign up to our newsletter. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Details can be found in the podcast description. 